Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Leticia Niego, the 2022 President-elect. We also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing the Brain Lady, a scholar practitioner in the field of education and learning, the president of Learning to Go, and the author of Brain Matters, How to Help Anyone Learn Anything, Using Neuroscience and the Genius Button. Using neuroscience to bring out your inner genius. Margie Meacham. Welcome, Margie. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I'm excited. I love all kinds of neuroscience and your books sound really cool. I definitely have those in my my queue to read. But before we dive further into the topic, can you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Oh, absolutely. And by the way, I have to also add another book um, to your list. My latest book came out uh, last year from ATD Press, and that's AI and Talent Development, Capitalize on the AI Revolution to Transform the Way You Work, Learn, and Live. And they'd be very unhappy with us if we didn't mention that. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Okay, so a little bit about me. You know, I got interested in the brain at a really young age, although I didn't think of it that way when I was six years old because I had a really hard time learning how to read. I just didn't get it, and my teachers thought I was being lazy at first and punished Mm. me and sent me to the corner and things like that. And then they decided, well, maybe she's just slow. And I'm sorry, but that was the term they used at the time. Yeah. It didn't feel offensive then, but of course it certainly is. And my uh, my parents, I can distinctly remember sitting there outside the principal's office, and my parents were screaming at the principal saying, you know, you're wrong. Our daughter is not stupid. Whatever's going on with her, you guys are supposed to figure it out. And um, rather than hold me back and put me in a special class that came to this agreement that as long as I caught up over the summer and figured out how to learn to read, I could stay with my grade. So my whole family pitched in all summer. Everybody just kept trying different things. And it was finally my baby sister who um, had her Dr. Seuss book open and We were looking at it together, and suddenly the really simple words on that page made sense. So she really, I always tell her, she taught me how to read. And I think she was about two at the time. So, um, you know, after that, I did have trouble at school. I had to work really hard. I had to take extra notes. I had to study extra hard. And I just... I just learned this about myself, that my brain needed that. And it wasn't until I was in college that I found out that I'm dyslexic. And so, mm. um, uh, and there's a whole spectrum that goes with that. Um, and yeah. so, you know, different people are in different kind of a sliding scale. So, um, 
I'm sure some people suffered more than I did. I think I was fortunate to have such a supportive family and maybe to be so stubborn myself that, you know, I was able to figure out a way that worked for me. And it turned out as I was taking my education classes in college that, in fact, those are the strategies that are recommended. But we found them through trial and error. And so I always wanted to help other people learn. I recognized that the brain does some amazing things and we don't really understand it yet. And that's still true all these years later, but we're getting closer and we're getting some important insights. So I was really excited to see neuroscience start to come into educational psychology and the practical applications. And I sort of took it on myself to um, become the brain lady. Um, that that name came from a, a guy in my neighborhood just walking down the street recognized me. <laughs> and he said, hey, that's the brain lady over there. And it, it stuck. So um, about a couple of years ago, I noticed that these neural networks we were studying they were converging with artificial intelligence in a big way very quickly because the two disciplines are really two sides of the same coin. It makes a lot of sense that the more you understand the human brain, the better able you are to create an artificial one. And the other thing I, I didn't understand at first was how powerful a tool artificial intelligence can be for understanding our own brains because it can recognize patterns we could never come up with ourselves, and it can map the brain to such levels of complexity it would take us, you know, hundreds of years to have done, but we did it through artificial yeah. intelligence. So you'll see now that many scientists are neuroscience and artificial intelligence. They're working in both fields because you just have to. And that's where AI and talent development came from. Oh, well, and that leads us to our topic, you know, AI and talent development. Now, for myself included, <laughs> the topic of AI can be quite nebulous. Yeah. Can you share what specifically it is and how it relates to talent development? Yeah, I think it can be nebulous and also a little scary, right? Um, if yeah. you're thinking of an I'm a big science fiction fan, have been all my life. So, um, you know, let's talk about what? It isn't. We don't have commander data from Star Trek, you know, <laughs> walking around um, trying to understand humans. We're, we're not there yet. We, some people think we'll never be there, and some people think it's right around the corner. Um, so who knows? Uh, what artificial intelligence is, is, it's a program. It's an algorithm that tells a computer how to do a specific task without human intervention. So once this, so think of it as automating a lot of um, routine tasks. This is how it really started is this idea of um, maybe we don't need humans to categorize all the images on Google, for example. Mm -hmm. There is an artificial intelligence program that does that. And that's where all those captures come from. Is this a ship, you know, click all the pictures of buses. Well, there's a program that had to do that 
to identify those images. And they call that machine learning. So they train these programs on data over and over again until they get really good at a specific task. And then it can be presented with a unique situation. And it doesn't have to be told. You don't have to program every step that that computer is going to do. So um, it does things. We can uh, see artificial intelligence in things like newscasts. There is probably a lot of copy that you've read on the web or on a news site that was written by an AI. A lot of the more mundane stories are written at least the first draft. Sometimes a human reviews them. Sometimes if it's just a paragraph or two, it may just go out that way. And when you think about it, yeah, that's kind of (laughs) cool. Stock trades are um, sometimes recommended um, and maybe even um, executed as a result of an artificial intelligence recognizing an opportunity in a market trend. a lot of financial services in agriculture. Um, I, I grew up in a farming area, and, you know, we have these, all these big, wonderful machines, these tractors. Well, they're very expensive. And if they break down, it's not just the loss of the machine and the cost of fixing it. It's all that productivity that's lost while it's sitting there and, and you can't cut the crops and you might lose the entire crop if it happens at the wrong time. So these smart, I'll I'll just call them tractors. They're all kinds of, you know, farming equipment. They're monitoring their own health, if you will, and setting (laughs) alerts before they break down. They're saying, I've got an emerging problem. I recognize it. And they are transmitting a message like a cell phone call, um, to a a central station that schedules repair. And, you know, someone shows up and says, hey, your device is in trouble. We're here to fix it. So um, these are examples that are, this is not science fiction. This is today. These these things are happening. And they have been for a Uh, starting about 10 years ago, but certainly for the last several. And of course, we've all heard about the smart cars. And um, it's so enticing to get into the idea you could get in a vehicle and just say, take me somewhere, kick back. (laughs) You don't have to worry about it. Of course, it's also kind of scary because we know. Uh, Very scary. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of great, I mean, it's, you know, there's, it's already happening in many cases. I live outside of Phoenix, Arizona. If you walk down the ASU campus right now and just kind of walk around the campus, you cannot miss the pizza bots. So there are these cute little, they're a little bigger than like a rumba that vacuums your, um, you know, your carpet, which is another Roomba. I said it wrong. By the way, that, (laughs) that robot is intelligent. It figures out the layout of your home and it kind of measures how much dirt is in your carpet and it knows what kind of floor it's on. And there's a little program telling it, do that. You don't have to do it. It, you know, it 
moves around and do that. Well, what these spots do is you order the pizza online. Say you're a college student, you're working late, you order your pizza, put in all your information, your payment information, your location. Someone bakes the pizza. They could have a robot at the actual pizza factory, but I think a human being places your pizza in this little box that keeps it warm. And that robot sets off on the sidewalks at ASU and it (laughs) finds you and you have to identify yourself with some kind of a code. And that's the Mm -hmm. only way you get the pizza. So if you don't put in the right code, (laughs) it doesn't open up, you don't get your pizza. So I can see there's the, the pizza bot is an example of AI and talent development, right? Because it's mm-hmm. supporting learning. Yeah, <laughs> what are some be. other examples of AI and talent development? Well, you know, here was the interesting thing I found in doing my research is uh-huh. that learning and development is lagging seriously behind yeah. other industries. And I'm trying to figure out why, because the use cases, the opportunities to take advantage of this are really really very clear and we can think about them. Now, there's a few people doing it, but not nearly as widespread as you would expect. For example, I just finished working with the United Nations on a consulting bot. You know, you've got an LMS, they've got about 3,000 volunteers who need training. They're all over the world. They have this wonderful LMS. They have tons of courses in there, but nobody knows how to decide which ones they should take or in what order. So a little chat bot comes up now and says, hello, how are you? And asks a few questions and recommends a course of study. And so it's unique to each person. Now, that's a simple application that just about every company that has a significant amount of content could use. And they're pretty easy to install. The trick is in the design, is getting that interface to work well. And that can take some doing. And what happens in the brain, this is where it's so helpful to also understand neuroscience, is your brain can't tell the difference between a conversation with one of these, we'll just call them bots, one of these artificial algorithms, and a human being. Just like it can't tell the difference between all this virtual training, your brain knows there's a person on that screen. And it, it, it engages the same parts of the brain that we engage when we relate face-to-face. Well, what's really remarkable is the brain is so able to recognize another being, I won't say human, but a, another being it can communicate with. It's so desperate for social engagement <laughs> that it recognizes this personality in these programs. So one of the things you do is you program in a personality. So for example, the United Nations bot, Blue is what they decided to call him, is um, he's kind of chatty. And if you want, he'll just keep telling you facts and figures about the United Nations all day. (laughs) You say, do you want another one? Oh, I've got more. Do you know what day it is? Today is Global Women's Day, for example. Would you like some links? And if you're in a hurry, you know, it says, that's okay. We'll talk later. And he lets you go. Aww. So um, now that's the experience they wanted for their learners. Because remember, they're, they're volunteers in that case. And so they wanted to create this deep connection with the United Nations and have people proud that the thing they were doing 
was connected to this big global organization with all this wonderful history doing all this exciting work. So, um, you know, what you would do with it in your organization would depend on your mission and, and what you want to do with that. You could have, instead of an old assessment where you take a test, you take a quiz, how about if uh, if a bot quizzes you to test your knowledge, almost like an oral exam? Or they could interview you about your learning experience. What did you like? What didn't you like? And you have a much easier flow of information than a survey. And much more likely that people will engage and actually complete it for you. So there's a lot of uses like that that you can see in other industries, like in marketing and sales and consumer service that we're not taking advantage of in L&D. And there's really no reason that we're not. There's a lot of uh, the technologies there. The, um, the programs are fairly simple. I think it's a bit intimidating right now. And so that's, that's why I wrote the book, so that we could start to get ready because it's coming. And we as L&D professionals, we need to get ahead of it to help all of our learners. This is so interesting, and you make such a good point. And I, I keep thinking about our talent development professionals and the impact that AI can have on the profession. Can you, um, can you tell us how you think the role of talent developers will change as a result of this? I think what we need to um, be ready for is, uh, you know, there's a famous book about will a robot take your job, and that's not really what it's about. It was an I it sold a okay. lot of books and and that wasn't the intent. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah, the that wasn't the intent of the book. It was mm-hmm. awareness getting. But what will happen is you're going to have programs that you can think of as colleagues and coworkers. So, um in China they're doing something where very customized education is possible and they have of course, you know, billions of of children. Um, going to school and they're going to school virtually. They didn't have enough teachers for all that. So what they did is they built these intelligent programs that could recognize how well a student did on a lesson, where they spent the time, where they had trouble answering questions. And the next lesson is chosen based on those results so that Students are brought along at the pace they need, at the level of information and repetition and practice that they need. If somebody is speeding through the content, the program will recognize that and let them and increase the difficulty and the level of challenge in the next lesson. So, yeah, this is the the kind of thing that's doable today that's being done. and that doesn't mean it's, you know, you snap your fingers and you have it. Uh, but certainly, um, you can have that. The other beautiful thing is it's always on. So if you want, if a salesperson wants to practice handling objections, they can log on to a bot and the bot can play the part of the customer and the salesperson can keep trying different techniques until they see what's most likely to be successful. Um, now one of the things I hope you're noticing is this, um, each of these is a very specific task. So if you want that same bot to do something else, you have to build a different bot. 
So they're not what's called general AI would be ask it anything. It knows everything, you know, commander data. We're not building that. Some people are certainly trying to figure that out, but that's not what I'm talking about for learning and development. I'm talking about narrow AI, the very specific tasks that you could have a teacher or a trainer or a coach or a manager do, but very often in today's world, they just don't have the time or we don't even have that person. So what are those kind of things? College professors are using bots to grade papers and give students feedback. Now, just like any assistant, they need some supervision, right? So um, this doesn't mean the humans go completely out of the equation, but it does free them up for the things that they and only they can do. This is incredibly interesting. And I know a lot of our talent developer audience is kind of curious about, you know, what are some practical tools or resources that can help us when we talk about learning and performance programs in regards to AI? Well, there's a, there's actually, if you start Googling like free chatbot, you'll find a ton of platforms and they're you know, to get started, they're free. The thing is, they're usually built for marketing purposes. So um, they have very limited um, uses. And you might be able to use it to recommend courses, for example, but you're going to have a hard time tweaking the programming that's behind the surface that's making it say what it says, you're going to end up with a lot of responses like, hmm, I don't know the answer to that, which can be frustrating. Um, By the way, uh, another example of artificial intelligence um, that we all experience are our virtual assistants, Siri, Alexa, and they're certainly getting better. But I think we can all tell a funny story about Alexa misunderstanding (laughs) some request (laughs) or Siri waking up and jumping into the middle of a conference call, (laughs) you know. um, So those are some of the uh, fun and crazy things that still happen. Um, You can also go to companies that uh, build it and you can do, um, you can do some things in between. One of the things I'm doing is I'm working with um, ATD chapters like you guys to do workshops to just let's get some basic terminology. Let's think about what you might want to do and then go from there. So if you want to do something very simple, you might be able to start with the do-it-yourself application. You might be able, for example, to um, put a chatbot on a phone that reminds new employees of the next step in their onboarding process. So there, start small, something like that. Okay, so work our way up. Mm-hmm. That's really, really helpful. Okay, we have come to the last part of our episode. Margie, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests rapid-fire style questions. And each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready? I am ready. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Give us one book that everyone must read and why. It is an old one um, by today's standard, The Dragons of Eden by Carl Sagan. Um, I have to give you a little bit of history because he 
was an astrophysicist. So what's he doing writing about the evolution of the human brain? But that's exactly what he did. And he combined history, anthropology, biology, um, uh, physics, um, and even um, computing. He very early on realized that the brain and artificial intelligence were going to converge. He didn't live to see it. Um, a, a great thinker, beautiful writer, and very poetic. It's a very poetic book. It, it is the story of the emergence of intelligence in humans and other species. And it is still highly relevant and will give you, if you're looking for inspiration, if you've gotten a little beat up by all the virtual training and all the hard work L&D's been doing uh, during covid and, and you almost have forgotten why you're in this business, read The Dragons of Eden. I think you'll find nice. it inspiring. Great. Okay. Tell us, what is one tool that you can't live without? This one might sound funny, but it's PowerPoint. I can oh. do so <laughs> much with PowerPoint. Um, I... I can make videos from it. I can record audio with it. I can... Um, you know, create images. Um, it's a it's a great interface for um, creating games that I can then put on uh, different sites. I can use it um, to map out a chatbot conversation in a visual way. I I like the visual nature of PowerPoint. Of course, I've been using mm -hmm. it for years, so I'm very comfortable with it, and I can get it to do a whole lot of things. Yes, a lot of people have told me it has really evolved over the last uh, few years. So that's a great, great one. Now, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I, um, I have to go back for this one uh, to um, my first real manager in a in a corporate setting, and she was a taskmaster. She was uh, tough to work for at the time. But she said something all the time. And at first, you know, a young woman, I just kind of rolled my eyes like, yeah, yeah. But she said, you need to build a career with breadth and width and depth. And what she meant by that is the breadth is a wide, make sure your knowledge covers a wide range of things. Don't get too narrow in your focus too soon. but you also have to be willing to dig deeply and have a depth of knowledge in at least a few things. And I have found myself subconsciously seeking that over and over again. I hardly ever have to remind myself of her advice because she drilled it into my head so much that it just became a part of who I am. And I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Oh, Wow, I think we could talk forever on this. This is so fascinating and and this and the advice that you shared and all of that. But unfortunately, Margie, we're done for okay. today. But we are so happy you joined us and we are so thankful you shared your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you. And I'm so happy for the opportunity. Thank you very much, guys. Oh, yes. Well, and I thank you to my co-host as well. Thank you. I learned a lot today. Thank you, Margie. Thank you. And of course, many thanks to our community for listening. Now, before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Whether you are a member of our chapter or not, we have resources for you. 
go to dcatd.org and choose the chapter bulletin board to read our blog, access the member spotlight, and learn more about how TD professionals spend their time. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today.